know it sounds like jail, but um, I did two stints. Um, I joined in 86 because, you know, I grew up in the streets of Jersey and it was either uh, military or jail. So I kind of joined the military and went to jail. So I kind of did both in the, in the regular army um, in 1986 till 1988. And then I got thrown out for being a drug addict and an alcoholic. And then me being young and dumb, uh, I joined, I rejoined back in the military, uh, in the early nineties. So I, I did two terms in the, in the, in the, uh, one was full active duty and the rest of the time was National Guard time. So you fulfilled two sentences with the military. <laughs> yeah. The first time, you know, it was because for me, it was like, you know what? I'm living. You know, I'm a full-blown alcoholic, you know, at 17 years old. I got nothing going for me, so why not go tra travel the world and party? And that's exactly what I did until Uncle Sam decided he didn't want me as a nephew anymore and booted my ass out. Yeah. So, so do you think that, you know, with with being on the streets of Jersey and, and, and caught up in some drugs and alcohol, do you think that the military helped you out at all that first time, or it just didn't even phase you and, that, and you ended up getting kicked out? Well, the first time um, I joined, like I said, I was 17. So I shipped when I, you know, I was 17 years old. So when I got to my duty station, you know, I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid hanging out with real men, and, you know, they're teaching you how to drink and how to party. And then I found uh, acid and I started taking acid because I knew the military couldn't test for it and wouldn't test for it. So uh, I became a professional, uh, a professional partier. And um, so, you know, and then when I joined, rejoined, um, I was about to be thrown out for the second time. I, I was supposed to be thrown out again because I had a bad attitude. At the end of September 11th, 2001, I mean, September 2001, but the morning of September 11th, uh, changed my whole life and my whole trajectory and my military career. So, and that's when I became a man. And that's when I started, uh, really living the military creed, the, um, you know, honored, honor, duty, um, respect, self respect. And that's, and then, you know, I became an NCO and I actually lived the NCO creed for the next 20 year or so years. So do you think that it was, was it September 11th that, that changed you or was it becoming an NCO or maybe just both of them? Well, what happened was, well, I mean, a little backdrop, where I'm sitting right now, uh, we are overlooking the Twin Towers where they once stood. Um, so, you know, we knew people that were in the buildings that day. You know, we knew people that perished that day. And um, and as I'm watching this unfold on TV, like everybody else, um, you know, I like my TV is here and all my gear is to the right of the TV because I'm about to be thrown out of the military for a second time just for being, uh, I try not to curse, but for being an a-hole um, and having a bad attitude. And here I'm seeing these people, you know, because when it first happened, there was no editing. It was all live. You know, and there was people, you've seen people jumping out of buildings and hitting the ground. And you see people, soldiers being pulled out of the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. And there I am looking at my gear, you know, realizing, wow, how 
um, I, I'm taking it for granted being a U.S. soldier. Yeah. And 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 I literally literally broke down and cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you give me another chance, those are like the sixth or seventh chance. Uh, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to helping people that can't help themselves. And I called my company commander. I called my first sergeant, which which is pretty amazing because we're friends to this, still to this day. And for some reason, they seen something different in me, and they kept me. And even though I got busted from E4 to E1 again, um, within four years, I became soldier of the year. I became a non-commissioned officer. So, you know, and then once I became an NCO, it's, I wanted to live that NCO creed and just always put my guys and, you know, whoever I was in charge of, put them in, in, in front of me and, you know, instead of put me in the back and try to elevate others around me. So it sounds to me like it's God that actually, God intervened. God allowed you to see something on September 11th that the rest of us maybe saw repeated on TV, but you got to get a little bit closer of a firsthand experience of experiencing that. Is that yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So God, I, I, it sounds to me like God used that to say, hey, look, man, you better get your act together because that could have been you in there. Or that could have been, you know. But whatever, what, you know, whatever he, because God, I do believe that God uses some of the most unique circumstances to get our attention. Yeah. And that day, you know, and I, you know, like I was just in an interview. I just, I got interviewed about an hour ago on like, um, 10 different, uh, radio stations. And I was telling them that, you know, the person I was when I went to bed on September 11th was not the person that I woke up as September 11th. It totally changed my whole life and trajectory in that, in that, you know, the, the, in that, you know, 20 minutes from the minute, you know, the, the World Trade Center got hit and, and when they fell, that's when my whole, my whole trajectory of my life changed within that 20, 25 minutes. Now, with that, so I was looking at, I think, it may have been an interview that we're, uh, uh, from a previous time, but I saw that you have a couple of MOSs. I think it was uh, a Cav Scout, Infantry, and was it Field Artillery, maybe? A Tank Commander. A Tank Commander. Okay. Tank. Yep. So, um, you know, one of the things that's what I, one of the things I love about being in the military is that. The job that you pick when you first enter is not the job that you have to stick with for your entire career. And when I see a lot of times that people who have a combat arms MOS and they change their job, it seems like they generally change it to something different, not something else within combat arms. So what, what was that like for you? Like what, what kept you in the combat arms arena, but in a different field? Well, what happened was, um, like I said, when I joined, when they decided to keep me, and I went to my first drill after they decided to keep me. Now, of course, everybody else knew me for being the dirtbag and the guy that's going to get thrown was going to get thrown out. So I had a bad reputation. So what I did is I just sat back and I watched what the winners were doing. You know, the E sevens, E eights, E nines. You know, company commanders, and I started doing what they're doing. You know, I started get, getting to drill two hours early, stay two hours late. And if they offered to go to school, of course, send me to school. Why not? So they offered courses. You know, they want you, you want to try to, 
you know, like I was a tanker. And then they said, well, you know, do you want to go to school to be a Cav Scout? Sure. Why not? Because if your tank, if your tank breaks down, guess what? You're a Cav Scout. And then they offered me to go to 11 Bravo schools. So I'm like, sure. Why not? And I just wanted to get, you know, because when they, I started taking as many correspondence courses, um, I just started doing what the winners did. And I see the winners were always going to schools, PLDC, BNOC, ANOC. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do what the winners do. So that's why I decided to take whatever courses were available. And if you're willing to send me, I'm willing to go because, you know, that's just more stuff that I have in my pocket to use in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, you just, you just took me back because nowadays, if you say something like PLDC and BNOC and ANOC people, they're going to be like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Because that's we're the, old, you know, we're old school. Yeah. Same, same schools, but different names. So for the people who might be listening, who are like, what the heck is that? PLDC, the primary leadership development course is now, um, Shoot, I don't know what it is now, but it's either WLC for the Warrior Leader Course yeah, or the, or BLC for the Basic Leader Course. It's one of those two. Um, and then uh, BNOC is now ALC for the Advanced Leader Course. And then uh, ANOC is now SLC for the Senior Leader Course. Um, for, yeah. And this, of course, this is the Army. Um, I can't speak much about the other branches, but yeah. yeah. You know, then they said, you know, Sergeant Kaufman, do you want to take course if you want to be a combat lifesaver? I'm like, sure. You know, then they're like, do you want to be the guy that gives the piss test? Sure. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to volunteer so much that they got sick of seeing me volunteer and got other people to do it. So then when they started asking the question, instead of saying, does anybody want to, they'll say, Besides Sergeant Kaufman, does anybody yeah. want to go to a course? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of people, like when I first started, I never thought about military as a career. But, you know, then I started, you know, like when I went, I think my big push was when, you know, I, I, I got to go, to, you know, the Soldier of the Year boards and stuff like that. And once I won Soldier of the Year, that's when I was like, you know what? This thing may have legs, you know, I may be up to something. So that's when I just decided to, uh, to try to make a career out of the military. Well, that's awesome. So you so you were lo in long enough to have a career. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do 30, uh -huh. but I, I got hurt on duty. And since I became blind, uh, if you can't see, you can't shoot. That's when they decided to uh, medically retire me out. I mean, I'm sure you could shoot, but it probably wouldn't work out in the people around you's favor on <laughs> <Yeah>. your teammates. <laughs> and everybody behind you. Yeah. So talk about that. How, how, so you became blind. How, how did that happen? Uh, well, I moved to, uh, moved back to New Jersey from South Carolina. And, um, if you guys don't know what a Humvee is, it's, it's kind of like the, the cool Humvees you see now, except they're in worse shape. Uh, and I was a, <laughs> a Humvee commander. And one of our vehicles broke down. Now, everybody knows when you're in a Humvee, you got to wear your Kevlar. And usually, as soon as you step out of your Humvee, you know, you take your Kevlar off, throw your soft cap on. Um, but a vehicle broke down, and I had to go recover it. And so I had to back my Humvee off of the highway. And it was a young private. It was his first AT driving. So um, I, I got out. I kept my Kevlar on for some reason. It's a God thing, I, you know, I, I believe that God has reasons. 
And um, I was backing him up. And instead of him hitting the brakes, he hit the gas and ran over the whole right side of my body and ran over my head. And I had an ocular stroke right there. And that's when I started losing my vision. And, uh, but I got up, shook, shook myself off, and I'm like, all right, now nah, I'm all right. I can deal with this. <laughs> but a little, little, little know later that I, I couldn't really deal with that. But, uh, I, you know, then it, and it took it for about a year and a half for them to med board me. Uh, I think I forget what they call it now, like warrior transition unit or something. Yeah, something like that. And, and um, I knew they were going to retire me out, but the day that they were did retire me out was Memorial Day 2012. And right after they told me I was no longer in the military was when I attempted my, my, my suicide, my suicide. Oh, so before we, before we get into the suicide attempt, here's a, here's a question. Now this is a tough question. When you, so you have this, I guess I can call it a training accident um, or this training event. Um, and you know, this, this, how was that relationship with you and that PFC that did that? Um, was there animosity? Was there anger initially? And or and if there was, how what how did it how did it change? What was that relationship like? Um, we never saw each other after that. After that happened, and um, and in my mind, you know, be, you know, I didn't want to ruin that young kid's career, so we never told anybody what happened. Okay. Because I didn't want him to get in trouble, and I didn't want him to have to live with that for the rest of his life, knowing that he hurt another soldier. And I would, because I, I know that if I was that soldier at one point, where you know I've done a lot of dirty things, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't want another soldier's career to go down the tubes just because of an accident. Yeah, that says a lot about you right there. Because I mean, I think. You know, even, you know, even though, you know, even though it was an accident, um, you know, emotions sometimes have a tendency to take over and cause us to say and do things that we wish we never said or did. Now, but, if I was, if I was the old guy, precept, <laughs> then we might have had an issue. Yeah. But, you know, I was not, like I said, um, I became total opposite of what I was pre-September 11th, you know, pre-September 11th, I was that guy, I mean, you were in the military, so you knew there was always that one person in your squad that was a, li a, a shitbag, that yeah. was always late, always had long hair, and had a bad attitude. That was me. But post-September 11th, I was totally opposite, where I was always worrying about other people's feelings instead of mine, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and you may not know the answer to this, but when you, even once that had, had happened and occurred, only the two of you knew what happened. So did he, did he ever, you know, personally have any grief that he had to deal with, even though he never got in trouble with it? Or did, did, is that just something y'all never spoke of again? I, I, I never even brought it up. And, um, you know, because 
I was just like, all right, it happened. You know, what, 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 you know, what good is it going to be for me to hold animosity to you and then maybe screw up your career by you having a bad attitude now because something happened where you were a young private and you weren't given the second chance. You know, I've been given so many chances in my life that, um, that's the biggest thing about me is, you know, whatever's happened in my life, people that have ever hurt me, I've forgiven every single one of them. Yeah. Because and that's God, powerful. You know, God forgives me of all the things that I've done. And, and a lot of times I feel, you know, soldiers, when we get out, you know, we don't, we carry a lot of baggage when we get out. And I think forgiveness has a lot to do with that, even self-forgiveness. Yeah. Now, you know what, that right there, that's huge. That's hard. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times, so I think forgiveness, forgiveness is such a powerful thing. Um, and I, I have found that once, I, you know, once I made that decision that I was, I, I was going to forgive people in my life who have done me harm, whether they did it on purpose or by accident, I found that forgiving myself was even harder than it was to forgive another person. I could forgive you without, you know, without hesitation. But then it's like I hold myself to a different standard. So forgiving myself was even more difficult. Like, how did you, how did you get to the point to where you can even forgive yourself for different things? Well, you know, I've been in recovery now. I've been sober uh, 32 years. I just hit 32 years, New Year's Eve. And, you know, the three biggest things that we taught in, are taught in recovery is one, to ask for forgiveness and try to make amends. You know, forgive others that hurt you. And then, you know, ask for forgiveness for yourself and, you know, try to forgive yourself for the things you've done. And you have to realize, you know, we do make mistakes and we're going to make mistakes and we're continually going to make mistakes. So if you can, you can't hold on to that stuff. You, you can't run, you know, marathon after marathon and your rucksack keeps getting bigger and heavy. Eventually, yeah. you know, either your back's going to break. Or the rucksack's going to break. So I'd rather put that rucksack down and say, you know what? I'm not carrying that stuff anymore. You know, I'm sorry for the stuff that happened. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. But I'm not that guy anymore. You know, you don't have to be that guy or gal anymore. And don't let the people around you think that, you know, because a lot of people that are around us and they knew us growing up and they don't see the new person. You know, you know, God says you become a new creature. But the people around you may not see that new, that new person. They just might see the person that made all those mistakes. So, yeah. you know, so sometimes you got to, you know, cut some of them out of your lives and, and addition by subtraction. Yep. And, you know, I'll tell you what's even hard about that is the many times the people that, that, that seem to want to hold, <clears throat> excuse me, the people that seem to want to hold you in the past them to be the people that you are close to, like family and friends. And so that can be hard, you know, when it's family to say, hey, look, you're right. I was that guy. I was that gal. I I did do those things, but I'm not the same anymore. Yeah. But sometimes those people only want to see you as that person that did those not good things and live that not so positive lifestyle. So that can make it difficult many times, I think. But like you said, it's that, you know, plus and minus, you know, either you're going to add value to my life or you're not. And if yeah. you're not, then I've got to move on. 
yeah, some people just, you know, it, things are easy. It's easy to change. And because, you know, even like stay with social media, social media will just show you like if you if you start like what I did about six months ago, I just started liking all the positive posts that I see and I let all the negative ones go. And, you know, just like our mind, you know, Facebook is just going to show you things that you like. So if you like the positiveness, start liking the positive things and letting the negative stuff go. And then negative stuff won't show on your feed, just like in life. So we need to treat our, 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 we need to treat our brains and our self-talk like a Facebook feed and do what you're talking about. Like the positive and ignore the negative and just keep on scrolling. Yeah. Moving forward. Because, I mean, me and my wife, I mean, we watch the news now just to see what the weather's going to be like <laughs> tomorrow. But 99% of the stuff on the news has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me being a better father. Nothing to do with me being a better husband. Nothing to be do. Nothing to do with anything that has to do with me. It's always somebody else's drama. Well, I got enough drama. I don't need to. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Look, uh, you know, I was sharing that with a family member not too long ago. We were watching the news, and I was like, oh, dear God, I have enough problems on my own. I don't need any anybody else's baggage, too. I can barely handle what's in my bag, yeah, <laughs> in my so, bag of life. So that's, you know, that's, you know, that's a life hack that I found is, is I just stopped watching the, the news and all the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't pertain to me, I'm not going to be involved in it. Unless it's on Sports Center, then I might see watch something on Sports Center. But just so long as your team is playing, who's your team? I'm a well, I am a mixed bag. I, I mean, I yeah. like the Yankees. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a Lakers fan, except I'm not a LeBron fan, so I can't wait for him to go. Um, I'm a Dolphins fan, and I'm a Devils fan. So I'm all I'm all over the place. Man, you are all over the country. What's up with that? <laughs> but I am a big I am a big Tom Brady guy. Okay. And I love it because he is the most prepared player. In the, he gets there two hours early, stays two hours late, and he, you know, he's a six-time Pro Bowl. I mean, six Super Bowl champion, and he still has it in his mind. I was picked 199th, and I still have something to prove. And I love yeah. somebody that has is willing to put in the work and mm-hmm. willing to hustle and grind even when they reach that top level yeah and that's probably what got him there and kept him there i would imagine yep so you medically retired from the military and you said that um around that time frame um you had you had thoughts of suicide or you attempted suicide suicide. and it was it was the exact day matter of fact I get a little emotional when I talk about this, but it's, um, you know, I knew it was coming, but, you know, I knew the day was coming that I was going to be retired. But when they, you know, they said, you know, Sergeant Kaufman, you're no longer a part of the United States military. And I handed, had to hand in my ID and they're going to send me the retired one. And I just sat there and I just bought a brand new truck, a brand new Dodge Ram 1500. And I just sat there and I said, you know, like, wow, all the hard work, you know, all the, you know, going to schools, all the correspondence courses, you know, like even when I moved to New Jersey, I still had to drill in South Carolina for six months. So I would drive 13 hours to drill, 13 hours back 
and I never missed the formation. I was never late. And and everything was Sergeant Kaufman becoming better and better. And then at that moment, to know there is no Sergeant Kaufman. It's over. And I didn't know who I was. So I called my wife. I got in the car and I called my wife because uh, I knew I was never going to talk to her again. And because uh, we were supposed to meet down the shore with the kids and take them on the boardwalk. And I had a new nine-month-old baby. And I called my wife because I knew I was never going to talk to her again. Because uh, my plan was I was going to get in the truck. Now, in New Jersey, on the highways, they got, you know, big highways and big concrete barriers along the side. And uh, got in the car. And I, my plan was I was going to get in the car, hit 100 miles an hour, put it on cruise control, uh, turn on the radio, and just drift off until I hit a concrete barrier. So I called my wife, you know, and then uh, got on my way. And uh, I hit 100 miles an hour, put cruise control on, and uh, close my eyes, turn the radio on, and I feel the truck is moving. So I know at any moment um, I'm not going to be here anymore. And uh, it's weird how God works. And uh, someone came on the radio call. I saw God today. And... Uh, I, uh, my eyes opened, I jerked the wheel, and, uh, I decided I wanted to be a daddy. I didn't want to be a statistic. So I slowed down, called my wife. I got to her and I said, honey, I need help. You know, if I don't get help, I'm going to eat my gun when we go home. So, um, I got home, um, made an appointment to see a therapist. And uh, this is a funny part. I think it's funny anyway. I go see a therapist that Monday morning, and I call my wife on my way home, and uh, she's like, "Well, how'd it go?" I'm like, "It went great." And you're never gonna think who my my uh, therapist is. And she's like, "Who?" I said her name is Doctor Seuss. And, uh, her name is, <laughs> it was, it's spelled S O O S. And uh, but Doctor Seuss is she's been my therapist for the last eleven years. And that's when I started getting help and starting to, uh, having to, you know, they, now they call it reimagining, but having, having to rebuild my life and, you know, trying to now no longer be, being Sergeant Kaufman, I had to figure out who Richard was. And it now it's been, you know, 11 years now that I'm, you know, I'm still working on who Richard is. So, and, and, you know, I, I had my own mental health summit April 3rd. It was called Today I Decide. And the reason why I called it that is um, because the three most important words in the English language are Today I Decide. Because once you make a decision, then all you have to do is act upon it. And you don't have to be that same person tonight before bed that you did when you woke up in the morning. So I, now my life mission is just to let people know that you don't have to be that same person anymore. You can you can change. It's just up to you. Sorry about that. I get I always get emotional. But um, so <laughs> you know what, Kleenex is going to have to pay me because <laughs> I started telling people, and I didn't realize how serious it was. I started telling people I had to have 
uh, a box. I have to have a box of tissue when I record these episodes because people like you mess me up, and I got my tissues right here. <laughs> when you started talking, I was like, "Oh shucks, where's my box?" And I was like, "Yep, I got it right here." <laughs> um, that's that's raw. That's rough. That's hard. Um, but it's real, you know. It and, is, and I think that's why a lot of people can relate to me because. I'm nothing but real, you know. Um, I, I'm the same goofy guy that you're going to see out in public, that you're going to see on social media. There is no difference, you know. Like when we ever, if we ever get to see, go to the military conference again, wherever they have it, you know, we're going to get hugs. I'm hugging everybody because that's the guy, you know. I'm, that's the guy that I want to be now. And before I was that standoff guy where, you know, don't touch me, don't, I don't want, you know, but now I'm that guy, that goofy, lovable, huggable, that's the kind of guy that I will, that I choose to be today. Let me ask you something, and this is something that I have found that I struggle with in light of that, is that um, I, I think for me, the bulk of my life, I have had this um, kind of this, this safe face happy-go-lucky, I'm always smiling and energetic and, you know, whatever positive words you want to put there. Um, but over time, while that smile remained um, on the inside, that smile didn't reflect reflect what was going on on the inside. Um, because I, I, I found myself really sinking into that depression, having anxiety, and just being really low. and yet I still had a smile on my face. And it's not because I was still happy. It was because it's all I knew how to do was to smile. Um, and, and, and be sarcastic, tell jokes, um, and, and use sarcasm and humor as a weapon to kind of push people away. Uh, mm -hmm. That that was my, that was me. That's how I've operated. Um, have you ever found yourself doing something similar and if so how did you kind of you know navigate to where you can say hey look this is the real me this is the real richard and this is you know, take it or leave it well you know i'm not a big grant cardo guy by the way so um <laughs> but i did love his book 10x and only and i read the whole thing but i only got one thing out of it and that was um you know for anybody that's listening to this or watching this um from this moment on, I don't want, want just to keep this in your in your mind. Whatever happens in your life is your fault. So whether you fail, whether you succeed, take ownership of it. Everything is your fault. And once you make that decision that you know whatever you do in life from now on is my fault, is when you become free. And you know, there's times like you said, you know, where I'll catch myself. Like me and my wife, you know, she'll yell at me for doing the dishwasher wrong or something. And I'll come back with a smart comment. And then, like, five minutes later, I'm going to be like, you know what, honey? I'm sorry. You know, that that was wrong. Because that was just the way the way I reacted. That Because that was one of my things that I went to was my, you know, that reaction, that smart ass, mm -hmm. you know, making smart ass comments. But 99% of the time... You know, if I'm feeling down, I'll call one of my tribe members. I'll be like, you know what? I'm, I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm not, I'm off today. And they'll be like, all right, 
So what I'll do is I'll post something on Facebook. Listen, guys, you know, I may not say, I may seem like I have it all together, but I don't today and I'm struggling. Yeah. And, but that's when people know, okay, he's real, you know, or that person is real. Because if you see on, you know, on social media, somebody that's on 100% of the time, that's not real. Right. You know? Just like Robin Williams. Everybody thought he was on. Yeah. Until he was hanging in a closet. And because he didn't come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling it today. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you got to be open and honest and tell people how you, they, you know, like, I'm, I guess I'm a big football guy. And when Junior Seau shot himself and committed suicide, and when they interviewed him, they interviewed his family, they said, he never said nothing. We, we, can't, we couldn't help him because he didn't let us know that he was hurting. And that kind of really stuck with me from that from then on. So if, if you're not letting people know that you're struggling, they can't help you. So that, you know, that's how I, I, if I'm, you'll notice if you, you follow me, you know, there'll be some days where I'll be like, you know what, I'm just not feeling it today. And I apologize, but I need help. And then there's some days I'm like, man, I'm feeling awesome. I'm crushing it. Or it could be in the same hour period. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I could be high and then I could be low and in that, in an hour or a couple minute period. So it, we're human. It, you know, we have to act like we're human. We're not super you, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, man, thanks for making me have to go and buy some more tissues now. <laughs> I tell you what, like I said, uh, clean the Kleenex company needs to start giving me some money because I sure am using their product. These <laughs> <are> sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. And this episode and every other episode is brought to you by this tissue company. There you go. <laughs> um, but so. Man, you really are messing me up. I, <laughs> um, but I think I think I really think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. There really is. That there, you really, there is something to be said about being vulnerable and being honest, being real, being humble. Um, because that's you know, that's one of the reasons why I pretty much steer cleared of Facebook. The only thing that I really do on Facebook now would be to post something about this podcast um, and maybe respond to some somebody else's, you know, friend request or a, something that it may, they may send me. But outside of that, I've steered, steered clear of Facebook. And I feel you know, kind of the same way about Instagram, too. Um, I, I, I still have it. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have Facebook. And I use those for the podcast. But those those platforms seem to be so such a um a a platform for me to put on put on a facade and i share on those platforms what i want you to see about me um i'm not saying that for me but for anybody really is that that's what that's what we have that tendency to do is we have that tendency to say uh, well this is this is what i want you to think me think of me this is how i want you to see me Therefore, this is the image that I'm going to portray about who I actually am when that's nothing like who you really are. Well, and, you know, and like I said, you know, the person you see here is the same person that's going to be in 10 minutes whenever taking out the garbage. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you know, we, we could all seem like, all right, hey, you know, I got the number eight veteran podcast in the world. Yeah, but I still got to take out the garbage. I yeah. still got to <laughs> around the dog and pick up its poop. So yeah. I'm not I'm not that important. 
Right. You know, and if people stop taking themselves so serious, you know, like the great author um, Jim Morrison from The Door says, nobody gets out of here alive. <laughs> yeah, so, I like that. Know, I like it. You know, stop taking yourself so serious. Life is not that serious. Enjoy life. You know, you get one shot. You're only getting one shot at this. Yeah. Do you so? Do you feel like you're still on that road of recovery, or do you feel like there's a a place that you've maybe? Because I don't think we ever really arrive. But you know, do you think that you've gotten to a place where you've been able to pivot and say, okay, now that I've reached this place in my life, I'm still having to improve upon myself, but now. I'm more focused on helping other people get better. Well, like, you know, I was talking earlier that, you know, everything I do, I do for free. You know, my podcast, you know, everything I do is for free. My my T-shirts, my hats, 100% of my proceeds goes to help veterans that are struggling. So it's never about me. You know, even I have 20 sponsors on my podcast, and they pay $0 for sponsorship. Because I want to promote their businesses. I want to help others. For me, it's all about leaving a legacy. And that's mm-hmm. you know, like Gary V, you know, when I met him and we talked and text back and forth, something that he always taught me that, you know, your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. Wow. I like that. So I'm more worried about leaving a legacy and helping save lives than I am worrying about, you know, the kind of car I drive or the house that I have. Or the clothes that I wear. That doesn't, money doesn't, you know, that it doesn't equate. So, you know, but then again, you know, there's a little, there's a story, if you don't mind me telling a real quick story. Go for it. You know, there's a story of, there's a little boy on the beach and he's walking along the beach and this old man is watching him and this little boy is just, you know, picking up the, um, some of the, I forget what they call them, like little lobsters and, and they're throwing them back. And he keeps throwing them back. And there's millions of them on the beach. And the boy, the, the man walks up to the little boy and says, son, he's like, why are you, you know, you can't save all of them. You can't save all these little crabs. He's like, and a little, and a little boy had a little tear in his eye. He said, sir, he said, I can't save them all. But you see this one? I just changed his whole entire world as he threw them back in. The- so that's my goal is I can't save everybody, but there's one person out there that I might be able to help. And then that's what I'm worried about is the one. Because even Jesus, you know, they were talking about the flocks. You know, there was 99 of them that were okay. He went back for the one. And that's my goal is just to help the one. Because I was that one. Awesome. Sharing that grace and mercy that was shown to you. Yeah. Yep. That's my goal. So So everything I do is free and it's, it's all... It's all just paying it forward. Yeah. So you mentioned that shirt and that hat that you, you have. So tell me about this hat. I hear there's a story about this hat. And every time you do a podcast or an interview, there's a reason why you wear it. And you said it's not because you're bald. I got a beautiful lock of hair. So it's you not. Um, back when I started helping veterans, probably about six years ago, uh, me and my bride, I call my wife my bride. She, she'll always be my bride. Um, and she's my rock and my, you know, she's my everything. But we went out to dinner for a movie and a dinner night. And guys, here's something that is going to change your world. You listen to this one thing. If you don't date your wife, another man will. Just saying. 
Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, we went out and uh, we watched a movie called American Sniper and the Chris Kyle story. Yeah. And if you guys don't know the story, he was a veteran that got killed by somebody that he was trying to help that was struggling with PTSD. And it affected me so much that I went home and I got in touch with his wife and the, the Kyle family. And I said, from now on, every show that I go on, every podcast, every stage I go on, I'm going to wear a hat in honor of Chris. And not just in honor of Chris, but just to let people know that there are people out there like Chris and myself that will up to take a bullet for you to make sure that you're okay, to let you know that you're not alone. And that's why I wear the hat. And like I said, I've been offered to be on the top five podcasts in the world, and they said I couldn't wear it, so I turned them down. But that's why I do it, just so, so you know, to honor Chris, but also to let people know that there are people out there like me and you that are willing to take the bullets for you so until you're okay. And you don't have, and it's okay not to be okay. Man, when you stop, you keep on messing me up. <laughs> but that that's powerful. Because, um, you, know, you know, so you and I met on Clubhouse. I believe that's where we met. And um, I, I kept on hearing about Richard in this hat, Richard in the hat. And it has nothing to do with being bald. Nope. I'm like, well, what is this guy's deal with this hat? So now I know. Um, I, I read that book. I, I, I saw the movie. And that is powerful. That, I mean, that's just, to me, that's like that, that, that servant leader, that humble leader, um, of, you know, sure, you can say, okay, I, I have, I had the most kills or the most, you know, whatever, but it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about helping that one guy, like you said. Um, so I, that, that's, that's powerful. So, and, you know, and, and I've been very blessed, you know, that they, they allow me to talk about him. But, you know, when I put my book out two years ago, you know, me and you are, are probably around the same age. I'm probably a little bit older. But uh, we all remember, you know, the original Superman, you know, mm-hmm. Christopher Reeves. Yep. And when I wrote my book, I actually wrote, I wrote a letter to his wife asking if I can use his, use his quote as the opening quote in my book. And Mrs. Dana Reeve uh, let me use Chris Superman's opening quote in my book. So I've always had people that have been in my corner that have done some amazing things for me. So, you know, I, I believe that there's always been people standing in the gap for me somehow. So I want to be that guy that stands in the gap for other people. Now, what's the name of your book that you did two years ago? It's called A Hero's Journey A Hero's from Journey. Darkness to Light. And it's 99. Oh, actually, now it's free for the next four days on Amazon Kindle. But okay. you, you do buy the book. Um, it's 99 cents. And 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans that are struggling with suicidal ideations and depression. So I make no money off of that either. I don't make any money off of any yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Man. I I feel like, I feel like um, this right here is a humbling experience for me because I feel like this is a privilege for me to be able to talk to you. Uh, I really do. It's um, my opportunity. I mean, come on. me, come on. This is a guy that got thrown out of the military almost twice. I'm only in ninth grade education, and here I am on the Medal of Honor podcast. Yeah. You are, 
Yeah, you are the metal, and I'm the one that's on. <laughs> I mean, it just really because, um, I mean, yeah, sure, absolutely. You screwed up a lot. You you sure did. And, and 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 um, you got kicked out. You almost got kicked out again. But you know what? Um, you're still here. I mean, that says a lot about you. You are still here. Um, and there were plenty of opportunities, some of which you were about to take to just no, to not be here anymore. But you're here and you have plenty of opportunities to make money by sharing your story. But you don't the money that comes in. You, it just it's like you, you're just a filter and you just you just you know, it comes in and you just throw it out to those who need um, who need help. But I have to say, you know, it's all by God's grace. Everything, you know, me, every morning when I wake up and my eyes open, I said, Lord, thank you. You know, every night before I go to bed, I said, Lord, thank you for today. So it's all by God's grace that everything that's happening in my life, he's in charge. Now, I'm just in charge of the work. He's in charge of the results. Yeah. So like I said, <laughs> man, I think I, I think I could learn a lot from you. I mean, I already have. <laughs> And I and I and I'm a guy. I'm just I just try to keep on learning and learning. You know, if you if you stop learning, you're you're dying. If you yeah. stop learning, you know. Yeah, I, that's I like that. Uh, the those phrases of being a lifelong learner, and if you stop learning, you stop living. I mean, because it is true. It, yeah. Somebody said recently, and I don't remember who it was or when it was, but recently I heard somebody say that. You could have all of these PhDs and letters and things behind your name, um, but they mean absolutely nothing. And then you have somebody who has nothing behind their name, but brings so much more value than the person to, to life than the person that has those acronyms at the end of their name. Well, you know, like I I I seen a meme, you know, or meme, whatever they call it, um, that at the end of the game, at the end of a chess game. All the kings, all the queens, and all the pieces go back in the same size box. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, you know, no matter how many houses you own, no matter how many cars you own, you're going to be in the same size dirt, the same size plot as the guy mm -hmm. next to you. So just stay humble. Yeah. You know, stay teachable. So you mean it's true that you can't have a U-Haul behind your hearse when you die? I don't think so. And, <laughs> and I, there's so many... Great things that are, you know, we can't even realize the great things that are going to happen to us when we do go. Yeah. So, you know, we just have to enjoy, you know, like my uncle, he died a, a multimillionaire and he was uh, only fifth grade education. And uh, he said, you know what, Rich? He says, I got all these millions of dollars, but I can't buy back a single day. Enjoy what you have. Because, you know, and I hear everybody, you know, they talk about stuff that they have. And I ask them. Do you remember the first car you ever bought? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you don't own it anymore, do you? I'm like, no. <laughs> Somebody's going to own your stuff. Somebody's going to own your house after you die. Yeah. Nothing. God just lets you borrow it. You know, I remember, I remember on active duty when I had, um, I had, I had bought a Honda Civic and I remember making the statement, God, this car is your car i'm just the one that's maintaining it 
And I always try to have the mindset of if there is somebody that needs a ride, if there's somebody that needs a lift or um, needs me to go pick up something for them because they can't, I'm going to do that. And, and, and I did that. That's, that's how I lived. And, um, lo and behold, I'm going to say probably 15 years later, I ran into somebody that, um, I was stationed with during that time period and I didn't have a car and I had forgotten what I was doing with that car that I did have. Um, and I said, well, Hey, look, can I get a ride? Um, and he said, heck yeah. And he said it without hesitation. I'm like, okay. I was just asking. He said, do you not remember how many times if I ever needed to go anywhere, you always gave me a ride. And he, and he said, you actually would get mad at me if I needed to go somewhere and I didn't ask you for a ride. So you better believe I'll give you a ride somewhere. So that, you know, it's, you know, if we treat people kind of like what you're talking about, if we pay it forward and treat people well, then it's going to come back to us. And I, you know, and I believe that, you know, and I tell people, you know, if, if you're in business and you're struggling financially, so into somebody else. And the law of reciprocity is you're going to be more successful. You know, you know, whatever you're struggling in, if you're struggling, if you, you know, if you're struggling in your relationships, you know, in order to have a friend, you have to be a friend. So put that out there, you know, so, and that's how you build, you know, Whatever you're lacking in life, maybe you need to sow into other people. And the law of reciprocity, it'll pretty, it'll pretty much come right back to you. Now, like we're talking about cars, you know, like, you know, I live in New Jersey and, you know, we live in almost a $500,000 home now, you know, but three miles away is where I was living in my car homeless for a year. So it's kind of like, where do you start thinking to, that yourself, you know, I've come so far, but there's so far to go. And I think the Lord's just getting started with me. Man, where's my tissue? <laughs> um, yeah, that's powerful. It really is. It just, it's, it's even with that, even with talking about God, even in your walk with God, do you always have room to grow? There's always something that you need to improve upon. You and because you aren't God, that means you aren't perfect, and that means you have something that you need to work on in your personal life. Yeah, and and I, you know, and one thing I realize, you know, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven, but you know, I fail him every day. And once I realize that I'm not perfect, and he's not that evil God that has that. You know, that piece of paper out writing every bad thing you've done wrong. You know, once you realize, I, I call him dad. You know, I don't call him God, I call him dad. Mm -hmm. So, and once I changed that metaphoric in my mind, you know, that's when my relationship got closer. Because, you know, if you're a daddy or if you're a mom, you know, you want your kids to have the best, even though they screw up all the time. You still want them to have the best and you still want to protect them. So once I changed God to dad, you know, my spiritual life is actually really taking a big, a big jump. Yeah. So here's, here's a, here's a question I'd like to ask you to kind of, to close out this episode. And that, and that's this, with the people that are listening to you, 
right now talk and share and share some of the the good, the bad, and the ugly of your um of your life. What is something that what do you want them to hear? If I am listening to this episode and I might be struggling with suicide, I might be struggling with mental health issues, or I just might not know. I don't. I might not know who Tiffany is. I don't. I might not know what my true identity is. What would you tell that person? Well, first I would reach out for help. That would be the first thing I would say is you know reach out. Um, there's people out there like myself, like you, that are willing to. We may not have the answers, but we can get somebody that has the answers. And so reach out for help. Um, it takes more strength to reach out for help than it is to hold it inside. You know, one thing in recovery they talk about, sometimes the heaviest thing to pick up is a telephone. So, you know, just reach out. It's your strength. And um, and just people that, are, if you're real, you know, people that have suicidal ideations, you know, that when somebody does commit suicide, you're just passing the pain along to your children and your family members. Mm. So, you know, just reach out for help. And then the second thing I would say, if we don't, if we don't know who we are, um, it, it's not who you are, it's whose you are. And God, in, you know, my, in my personal relationship, God doesn't make, and there's an old t-shirt in the 70s called, that said, God don't make no jump. Okay, so, yeah. You are, who God calls you to be. You may not see it, others may not see it, but you are you are precious and you are God's precious child and you are meant to do great things on this earth and don't listen to other people because other opinion other people don't matter does do not matter. Lions do not worry about the opinion of sheep. Wow. So don't worry about what everybody else says. You are destined for great things. So, and maybe you just have to start believing in yourself. Man, that is solid advice right there. Um, and it's not easy. You know, it's not an easy road. It, uh, it, like you said, picking up that phone, that, that can be a very heavy phone to pick up. Um, and it can, you know, it can require a lot of strength. Yeah. But using that strength and picking up that heavy phone and asking for help, what's on the other side of that phone call? Um, is worth the strength that it takes to make that call and ask for help and say, I'm hurting, I need help. And everything, you know, I, I love the saying that everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. Oh, yeah. So once you break that, you know, you break that barrier, then, then, then your world is open again and you have nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. Not even fear itself. Nope. <laughs> Man, oh, I appreciate you doing this. I really do. Oh, it's my honor. I, I get to hang out with you, so this is this is fun for me. Yeah. Well, look, let me tell you something about that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to press the stop recording button here. Yes, I'm... Thank you. Have a nice day.